Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading and I'm joined as ever by Kelsey Zeiser. Hey, Phil. Hey, Kelsey. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How about you? Uh, doing well. And we're talking about SDN, or sorry, SD-WAN, which is part of SDN, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We're not uh, relying entirely on you. We actually have <laughs> a guest. Um, who is the guest and why are they here? Yeah, so we're happy to have John Ish with Orange, uh, Orange Business Services on the line today. Hi, John. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Phil. How are you? Good. Great. Thanks for joining us. And John, uh, for our listeners, was a speaker at our Network Virtualization and SDN Americas event last year and is going to be joining us again this year in Dallas on September 17th through the 19th. So we're really glad to have you back there, John. Um, and you'll be talking about SD-WAN as well as network slicing. And last year, something that you said uh, stuck with me in that you like to start the conversation with your customers when talking about SD-WAN, you start the conversation with security. Wanted to check in a year later, is that still the case? And why is it so important to focus first on security? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's still important. And, um, you know, I think that I guess at a base level, you could say security is always important, right? That uh, <laughs> right. no matter what you do and no matter what you do in networking, it's sort of the, you know, everything has to be secure and security is always important. But, you know, and, and that said, I mean, that's that's an obvious statement, but I think when I talk to customers about SD-WAN, you know, there is a, uh, a, you know, what they're looking at is how are they going to change their, or how is their IT infrastructure going to change uh, to mm -hmm. accommodate access to cloud? And, you know, typically internet browsing is also kind of in that same bucket. But a lot of our customers, you know, we deal with global multinationals who have large um, networks. And, you know, they're sort of, uh, I guess I would, generally say they're um, the way that they've um, secured internet access is through centralized gateways. So when you mm -hmm. look at um, looking at SD-WAN and saying, okay, well, how, how is that going to change? You know, it, it usually means that you're going to try to decentralize that um, security in some way. You could go as far as decentralization, as far as getting it, you know, saying, okay, every site that has its own internet access is going to have its own security. Or you could centralize it to, a, you know, to some degree, like a hosted cloud gateway or something like that. Um, but the, you know, the important thing is when you look at that, you're definitely changing the way your security operates. And we like to, you know, I would consider it a best practice is really having the security guys in the room from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's not so much to convince them that there's a better way. Um, um, I find that the, that's probably one of the most difficult things to do in, in IT is to, to change the way security is done, but more so to mm -hmm. understand what's possible. You know, there is, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can deploy SD-WAN. We've seen it in a lot of, a lot of different architectures as we work through this with different customers. But, you know, that you, the most important or one of the things we want to do is match what their security platforms look like today. And probably more importantly than that, you know, what does, what's your security platform going to look like tomorrow? And can we sort of leverage that as, as the, the way we build um, this SD-WAN um, design for customers? You know, there's, I guess if you, you know, if you were to take the, and I always, I, I've said this to many customers and I always say, this is a ridiculous statement, but 
if you were to take uh, <laughs> security off the table and say, okay, security doesn't matter, do what, do the most efficient thing for the network, you'd say, okay, I'm going to um, enable local internet browsing, have internet connections at all my sites, and and go that way. And that is a valuable, that's a value, uh, a viable uh, network solution, and one that we've done for many customers. But for some customers, it, that's just not viable. So what we we do is back mm -hmm. up into saying, okay, what's what's the most viable solution for you, and how do we design? to incorporate what your security policy says. And again, you know, what I'm finding is as we're talking to customers, I, when we're talking to security, they, they understand that um, that old architecture of, you know, centralizing internet access is not the most efficient way. And many security teams mm -hmm. are yeah. looking at different ways to do it. And so we want to make sure that as we're looking at how SD-WAN gets rolled out, that we, you know, accommodate both what they have today and what they might have tomorrow. Are they quite um, comfortable um, having elements of their security uh, plan virtualized, uh, like firewalls and uh, and and session border controllers and um, things of that sort? I would say it's mixed. We have certainly have customers who um, that is part of the plan. You know, we're we're in the midst of a rollout right now for a customer who is part of that rollout is a virtualized service with. Uh, there's some 130 locations around the world in 130 different countries, and we're doing part of that rollout as virtualized security um, solution. Um, I find that, um, so I would, I, I hate to say it this way, but I would consider that somewhat of an exception. Most of our customers are still kind of, mm -hmm. you know, um, they understand um, security as it stands and it's hardware based. Um, we do see that said, um, you know, cloud-based security is something that we see as sort of an up and coming service. And that um, I see when customers are ready to take that next step, a cloud-based security platform is a good intermediate step in between, you know, okay, so I don't need to virtualize, so I don't need it at every site, but I still have complete control over the security platform, even though it's cloud-based, you know? So it, I guess it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a contradiction, but I see more customers willing to do a cloud-based platform, then it's probably has to do, than a, um, site-based virtualized platform and it probably has more to do with uh interesting uh cost in in control than it does with anything else you know yeah oh that's interesting I, i'm glad i asked because i i would have assumed you had to kind of get comfortable with one before yeah. you started the other but uh but i i, I didn't think yeah. about the control issue and you're right that's definitely um they're definitely giving up an, an amount of control when they go yeah. with the virtualized and uh you know i i the it is still a conversation, you know, I mean, it, it, to say that we're going to walk into a customer and say, okay, you're used to a centralized um, hardware-based security platform. We're going to move you to a cloud. And that's not a, that's not just a financial discussion, right? That we have to go with them and understand. And, you know, there's a process for any security department to vet out a security platform, whether it's virtual or, uh, or cloud-based, but um, you know, we've had some success with the cloud-based platform. And I think that's uh, if I was, to predict or maybe suggest the best platform. I think that's a really good one is to use that cloud-based security platform because it gets, you, you retain the centralized control, but you, you can still distribute, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And so having that security conversation with your customers is clearly a benefit of providing SD-WAN as sure. a managed service. Uh, 
What are some other reasons why you feel like the managed service approach to SD-WAN is gaining traction over the DIY approach? And um, how do you kind of co-innovate or um, sure. with your customers on their yeah, SD-WAN and that's, service? I think that's a, you know, it, it kind of starts with the, the, I guess I would call it the marketing message or general marketing message around SD-WAN, which is, you know, hey, this stuff's easy, roll it into your network and, you know, you're, you know, uh, there, there's that, uh, the zero touch provisioning uh, comment that comes up all the time. And what I, what I always tell customers right. is zero touch provisioning is great. If you're, you know, if you have an internet only network and there is no existing network. So, and you know, I, I, that's a joke because none of our customers have that, but, but, uh, <laughs> but the, the point being, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The unicorn, the but unicorn. the point being that when you look at SD-WAN, it's an integration product project, right? So you have a, existing network, which is your underlay network, your MPLS, and maybe it's internet, and you have, you know, a mix of, mm-hmm. of those within your network, the overlay network, the SD-WAN network sits on top of those. So it's not like the underlay goes away, right? You still have to manage your underlay network. But now you're introducing mm-hmm. a network on top of that an overlay network that has all the orchestration tool tools has all the, um, the automation and that kind of thing. So what I when we talking when we're talking to customers, it's about that integration product project, and um, how many times have you done that mm-hmm. integration project? You know, Orange has done that many times for many different customers. Whereas, you know, the first time you go through that, it's not going to be easy. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to find problems. Well, we have the playbooks. Mm-hmm. You know, we we understand what that's going to happen and how to help customers get through that. And um, I think that's one big advantage that we can bring is that we, we understand the integration project. We can bring in um, uh, something called multi-source service integration. So we can come in and take over the existing network as it stands today and then start the integration project of bringing it to the mm-hmm. end. And so we can really simplify that. So that's one. That's the, the implementation side of that equation. There's another side of that equation, which has to talk about how am I going to run this network on an ongoing basis? And, you know, okay, that the networks exist and they're, they're up there. And what we've done is um, created tools within our environment to, uh, for our service operations teams to, um, it correlates and integrates um, the information from both the underlay and the overlay. So it's another way that we can bring value to this whole thing is instead of looking at it just like an overlay or just like an underlay. We put the two things together and you don't mm-hmm. end up with one person change, chasing an overlay problem while the real problem is the underlay network and you have somebody else chasing the underlay network. When you can bring those two things together, you can say, look, I, we can manage both of these for you, reduce, increase your availability and reduce outage times because we have these integrated tools that bring the two together. Um, and mm-hmm. you know the 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 uh, excellent. When he asked about co-innovation. We we um, part of that um, part of that uh, tooling that we develop. We also develop portals for customers to be able to um, uh, interact with their network. Whether it's you know it could be incident, can be um, looking at reporting, but also change management. So customers can make changes on their own. And we really see that co-innovation allows for. Um, us, we work with our customers and create um, these portals that work for for both of us, right? So, if you want to change, you want to make changes to your network, which is very mm-hmm. common with uh, our North American-based customers. Well, we can create a portal that works for you. The important thing is that we work together to develop that. So it's something we um, 
we really work a lot with them, with customers on to make sure that, you know, we're not developing these things in a vacuum. You know, they're part of our process for development. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Co-innovation sounds a lot better than fixing stuff. Uh, yeah. Sounds really like uplifting and kind right. of, you know, ah, we're co-innovating. Right. This right. is good. I can, I can go to work every day and do that. That sounds fun. All right. We, uh, we, we are rolling up on uh, a bit of a break. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about uh, some specific use cases that Orange Business Services has found uh, and, and what they've learned uh, in SD-WAN. We'll be right back on the Light Reading Podcast. Hi, we're back on the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser, and I'm joined by Phil Harvey. Hi, Phil. Yeah, hello. And also John Ish with Orange. Hello. Uh, so we've been talking about SC-WAN and how to um, deliver a managed service approach to SD-WAN and also talked about co-innovation. So that's the word of the day. So, John, yeah, yeah. not the the good word of the day. Just another pet peeve I have about language. So that's not even worth putting in the show notes. All right. So, John, you mentioned that uh, Orange has had some pretty big customer wins recently with Sony and Siemens. Uh, Can you tell us about some use cases for Orange SD-WAN and any lessons learned with those customers? Yeah, sure. Um, the interesting, so when I look at these customers, I think that, um, you know, I guess just the way my brain works or maybe the brain works is, you know, I'm looking for <laughs> one commonality, you know, what's common across our SD-WAN customers. And then the separate part, the opposite of that, you know, what's different about each of these. So, mm-hmm. you know, generally across the the board, you know, I see customers uh, focusing on cloud. So they see SD-WAN as a way to enable cloud. Um, that certainly has to do with um, not only um, how do I run SD-WAN in an MPLS private environment, but also how do I bring internet in as part of my network? So that I see that as mm-hmm. sort of common across our net, our customers that we, you know, our large customers for SD-WAN. Um, if we start with, say, uh, you mentioned Siemens, you know, that's uh, some 1,500 sites globally. It's a very large network. It's a very complex network. So it's not a uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen some SD-WAN cases in the past where it's, you know, retail networks with, you know, all the remote sides talking to one hub location or something like that. That's not this network, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very large, very complex network. In Siemens' case, they are going through a cloud um, initiative. And in fact, if you take even a higher view of it, they're looking at digitizing their entire environment. So they see this as a transformational event within their network, within their whole environment. And SD-WAN is one part of that. In, in mm-hmm. Siemens case, you know, we were largely their network provider in the past. And so we have, we, we were large, you know, did a lot of MPLS for them. And we see this as a transformation to bring them from, you know, managed SD, uh, managed MPLS into a managed SD-WAN with internet and MPLS as the underlay. So we're transforming mm-hmm. them, but we're transforming them from managed orange to managed orange, right? It's a, sort of a, a lateral transformation, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, another customer we work with that um, we haven't done a press release, so I can't release the name, but a large chemical company, um, they 
they looked at their network in a different way and they said, we're going to keep regional networks in place. So they've kept, um, you know, small, smaller regional networks rather than looking at one global underlay. I'm going to have multiple regional underlay networks. And they needed a way to, number one, manage those multiple networks, but also create an overlay on top of them. So in that case, we brought in, as I said before, multi-source service integration to manage those underlay networks for the customer. Then we layered SD-WAN on top of that, and we can still present this sort of one um, network management system to the customer that encompasses underlay that is not even Orange's underlay, but we, because of MSI, we can provide that layer of management, but also integrate okay. SD-WAN on top mm -hmm. of that and create. So if you think about it, the the MSI layer is providing one layer of management on the on all of the underlay networks around the world. And SD-WAN creates one network for the customer on top of all those multiple underlay networks. So it's a really nice kind of package we can bring to a customer that says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these as two independent things, underlay and overlay, and we can still provide the mm -hmm. overlay without having to, you know, provide the underlay. So I think that's a, it's a key point in being able to offer that in a flexible way to customers. The last one um, that I'll talk about just briefly is, uh, you know, um, Sony that you mentioned before, you know, it's about 500 um, global sites in their network. And basically, they're seeing SD-WAN as a way to integrate disparate BU networks. They've historically had um, each BU kind of went out and did their own thing with a network from a network perspective. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's fine if depending on the autonomy you have in your BUs. We see that sometimes. But they decided, hey, we've got to figure out a better, more efficient way to manage our networks overall while maintaining the segregation we've always had with networks. So what we're, what we're doing is creating... Um, again, coming in with this MSI approach to take over the networks as they exist today, and then transforming them into an Orange-provided underlay network with SD-WAN doing the segmentation to create this isolation between BUs. They still want to maintain that level of security and isolation, but have one network mm -hmm. um, infrastructure. So it's that I think between those three, you see three very different ways to use SD-WAN but they all are, are meeting. It's mm -hmm. not really technical requirements. It's business requirements, right? So we're that's a really key point of all this is how do we drive the SD-WAN technical solution into a business requirement? Or I guess you vice versa, right. <laughs> depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sony, Sony one's interesting because that's like a, that that is like a bunch of yeah. different businesses. Um, or, you know, they, they're consumer electronics, but they're also business uh you know they, they sell directly to businesses in some cases in other cases they're they act more yep. like a content or um you know netflix type company you know with the ps4 network and all that stuff that's going on there all the stuff my son yeah. keeps them in business with <laughs> i just I, he doesn't husband. tell me about it <laughs> just shows up on the bill and I'm like, anyway um yeah, so the the whole the whole console and gaming network uh, enterprise part is is is, is almost mm. like a completely separate business. So I guess I, I guess I can see why they were segmented in the past. But yeah, if you're Sony corporate, you do want that level of control to see what's going on everywhere, right? right? Um, interesting. Uh, as this, you know, I guess I guess so. We we've, we've kind of picked on some some really 
I mean, I think quite dramatically different use cases, but they all use the same technology and, you know, Orange as the connectivity um, enabler and provider in some cases. Um, Let's talk about 5G because that's kind of the next big leap forward in connectivity. And um, and SD-WAN is obviously... um, all, all the businesses that buy SD-WAN are going to be talking about 5G at some point. Um, in, in, so what are some of the ways that, that um, 5G services are going to impact the delivery of SD-WAN sure. and the fulfillment of that? And uh, I guess, you know, I guess, do we have any, um, uh, d- does Orange have any immediate SD-WAN 5G use cases, or is this something that's still in the uh, kind of um, well, stages I, I, of getting going? I think when I think about 5G and SD-WAN, I think there's a, uh, I guess I would, I, I, I was going to call it a short term, but it's probably more, still more e- intermediate term, but, and then there's a long term. So in the short term, you know, you can think of 5G sort of like access, right? How do we get from our, from the customer premise into the SD-WAN network? And we can use 5G to do that. And in fact, in April of this year, we did a, a, a demonstration um, in a, a collaboration uh, with Nokia to show that SD-WAN can work over 5G. And we basically had a, doing a high def video conferencing, mm-hmm. had a, a fiber line and a 5G line. Um, you know, create we created a problem on the on the uh, the fiber line, and it automatically switched the traffic over onto the 5G. So. You, you know, I think from a very high cool. level, you can say, well, we can use 5G as access. And, you know, as a matter of fact, we've had 4G as an access for some time here at Orange. But the advantage that 5G is going to bring over 4, mm-hmm. 4G, of course, is number one, more bandwidth. And number two, the, ab- the ability to slice that tra- that uh, bandwidth up and say, hey, we're going to, you know, designate a certain amount of this bandwidth for certain uses. So that allows us to use 5G in a more effective way. That what I just described is a static, you know, slicing that is uh, the, we expect will be the first thing that's uh, globally available. But then the next step after that is that which is, yeah. gets into the longer term is dynamic slicing, right? So then I can say I can have some real interaction between my SD WAN that's making decisions about application flows and have it interact with the 5G network to say, hey. I've got a, you know, some business critical application that's coming up. I need more bandwidth, increase my bandwidth. You know, you have that dynamic slicing. Now we're in a whole different world. Mm. Of course, dynamic slicing, you know, there's no, um, uh, yeah. it's it's not well defined yet, um, but we'll see that, you know, I don't know, you know, 2022 or something like that, but 2023, but the, you know, that's, that's down the road. And I mean, um, right. I think when you can bring that automation all the way out to the edge, then you're in a you know, then we start to see really dynamic, truly dynamic networks. But I mean, even in the short term, 5G is going to bring us, you know, the, the when we deploy networks, the thing that is always uh, the, the, the thing that takes us the longest to deliver is that last mile. So if we can deliver using non-terrestrial means mm-hmm. where we don't yeah. have to go through that deployment process, you know, that's uh, I think that's a huge win for us. I don't want to minimize that even even before having that dynamic uh, slicing, you know. It's important and exciting, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, it, the the static slicing part of that is that that's something that's is that something that's specified in the in the we have to kind of yes. wait till we're standards yeah, right. based before that happens. You know, when you look at it from an orange perspective, the the other thing is that 
if it's avail, you know, we, we build solutions around technology, right? So it's not a matter of, hey, it's available in one country and or, or even worse, right? One region of one country based on this one particular mobile carrier. You know, that that's interesting. But if we're going to build a, a product that we're going to go out and talk to customers about and really provide value to customers, there needs to be some kind of ubiquity and it's it's availability, you know, and that has to do with technology, has to do mm -hmm. with standards, but it also has to do with um, pricing and pricing models that make sense for 5G and SD-WAN, right? Um, you, if 5G ends up being, you know, 100 times more expensive than a landline, well, you know, <laughs> we, we may be able, it's a, it's a cool technology that we could leverage, but, yeah. um, you know, those price points aren't well known at this point. So it's hard to predict kind of where that's going, you know? Oh, so it's a lot to looking, look forward to. <laughs> yeah. And uh, still looking down the road a little bit as the SD-WAN market grows, what do you think the future holds for MPLS? I mean, it seemed like initially everyone was predicting that yeah. SD-WAN was going to kind of be the killer or cannibalize all these MPLS services. But then the conversation changed to, um, you know, a hybrid environment of, of both SD-WAN and MPLS. Um, but, you know, as 5G emerges, could that change the conversation again? Or what, what's your prediction for uh, MPLS in the next few years? Oh, I hate making predictions. Somebody's going to play oh. this. Somebody's going to play this back down the road and say, no, "Oh, we you're won't wrong. record this um, part." <laughs> but I, uh, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, yeah. I guess what I would say is that um, to date, we have not seen a significant drop off in our MPLS um, with our large customers, right? So we haven't seen that, you know, crater happen. Um, we see exactly what you just said, Kelsey. Is the integration and the hybrid network is what we're seeing customers do today, right? So it's SD-WAN with an underlay that exists both over an MPLS as well as over the internet. What we are seeing is a lot more internet in our customers' network. So, you know, that could, you could, I guess in some, you could predict that this is, you know, preparation for down the road, but um, there still are a significant number of applications that exist in the data center that are not cloud ready. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've talked to some customers who said, you know, that we have, you know, 80% of our applications will never be cloud ready. Uh, I was talking to a financial services customer not long ago told me that. So, you know, so I, I don't want to tie, you know, MPLS and SD-WAN or I'm sorry, um, SD-WAN and uh, too closely mm -hmm. to cloud, but I do think that's a lot of the driver here mm -hmm. is right. Is how much like you drive as much the more um, applications that can be driven out of the cloud, the more it makes sense to do SD WAN over the internet rather than MPLS. Okay. the The price differential when you look at um, you know uh, synchronous high high availability internet versus MPLS, the price differential is not as big as it once was. And, you know, it, it, it's not enough to drive customers in that direction often, but, um, and, you know, I, I guess the other thing I would say is that our customers, um, and I, I, every customer I think out there, they're looking at how do I make sure that my users have, um, access to the applications, mm -hmm. those applications that used to be in the data center. Okay. We're going to, you know, make sure MPLS and we have all the SLAs and all that kind of stuff. Well, just because I'm moving that into the cloud doesn't mean my user requirement around application availability changes, right? It's still the same 
requirement. Mm -hmm. And I just, what we sit down and talk to customers about is let's, let's start there with what are your requirements around availability? What is it, you know, what's the business criticality of you, of this location and these applications? And then let's design a network that makes sense. It, you know, internet is perfect. You know, it could be perfectly fine as the, as the way to get users there, but there are some realities around internet that I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying you have to mm. take it as a, a reality based discussion, right? That peering, you know, you may not understand the peering, you know, it may change, uh, you know, is there seven by 24 hour support and, and those kinds of things. And, and when you elevate an internet connection to, I want seven by 24 hour support. I want language support. I want the ability to e-bond for incident management. You start elevating those things and your cheap internet service starts to get more expensive. Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. you know, that's, it. I, I'm not saying it's going away or not, but I, I'm just saying that the, we want to work with our customers in a collaborative way to say, let's look at your environment and wh where it makes sense and where it doesn't make sense. Um, and we are seeing most of our customers go in sort of a hybrid direction. Okay. You know? And you're talking about multinationals anyway. So it's like there, there are certain, um, you know, especially when they're connecting uh, sites across different countries, yes. they, they, they have to have certain guarantees and that connectivity um, that, that right. I would say probably favor MPLS over, a tradition, you know, over a, a, a regular internet connection. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. Well, Hey, let's, um, uh, I think there's a good place to leave the discussion for now. Uh, I am looking forward to, uh, picking it up again, uh, in, uh, a little bit of time, uh, September 17th through 19th, we'll be at the, uh, network virtualization and SDN Americas show in Dallas at the uh, Dallas Marriott Las Colinas, um, which is a confusing name because it's in Dallas, sort of, but it's actually in Las Colinas, <laughs> which is very much near <laughs> Dallas. So anyway, it's very scenic over there. It's a nice place. Um, anyway, we'll see you all there. Uh, John, thanks so much for uh, for being on the podcast uh, today. Sure, Kelsey, uh, thanks so much for doing what you do. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by Tian Fu in New York. Our show notes are all available at lightreading.com. As a reminder, you can get the Light Reading Podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and dozens of other platforms and apps. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for getting your telecom news from lightreading.com. <laughs>